Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. How much better does it get? Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever your audience is tuning in, your podcast will be there. Fourth, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Look at us. We have less than 100 listeners per episode, yet we still make money on ads. Granted, it's not a lot, but we still make money. And finally, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. That's anchor, the thing you throw off your boat, .fm to get started. Welcome into another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. We're talking basketball again this week. We've got the men's team, we've got the women's team, which was gypped of a game, unfortunately. Uh, the men's team, they kind of alternate between good performances and bad performances. Some of that depends on whether you play in NAI is cool. <laughs> but Jack, how are you after watching some basketball on a Tuesday? Um, I will say this, after the, who was it, the Morgan State game, I was sad and dejected about the state of this program. Um, And then after the FAU game, I was really excited until about eight minutes left in the second half when FAU started that like weird comeback. Jamie should have won that game by 20. They won by nine. And I'm not, I feel a little better about it, but Michael Christmas didn't have a great game. Um, but Matt Lewis had a good one. Zach Jacobs, I think uh, Ben Bennett, is going to want to talk about Zach Jacobs a lot in this podcast. I'm doing well, and men's basketball. Yeah, they're men's basketball. I, I really don't know how else to to sum up their their performance so far this season. Yeah, it's tough to get a read on this team. They've only played eight games, I guess, right there, and six against Division One teams. They start conference play. At least they're scheduled to start conference play Saturday at home against Elon. They play Saturday and Sunday. Oh, they're originally. Do you think that's gonna? Do you think that game's gonna happen? Yeah, I think it is. Elon's played right, <laughs> but it's it's just so many changes. They're supposed to start with Towson. Obviously, those games didn't happen. They're supposed to play UNCW. UNCW is in a pause, so they're playing Elon. I hope the games happen. Hope they're able to get them in. We'll obviously see what happens there. Uh, the whole conference is not great, so I think they'll have chances to win pretty much every time they they play. But this team's so interesting to me because, like, the two MIAC losses are are bad losses. Shouldn't have happened. VCU and East Car- yeah, VCU and East Carolina, fine. Uh, but the two MIAC ones are tough. So they're 4-4, four 2-4 and four, two and four against D1 teams. What have you seen from this team? Is there something you need to see to to start believing? Because I think both of us have kind of we're right on that brink of like, oh, let's believe. So I will say this, and I I have a feeling you're going to hate what I'm about to say. That VCU loss was a great quad one loss. I know, like in the end, Jim, you had no business winning it, and they didn't win it, and all that. But they lost by what one point in a quad one game, like away. So. That was a really, really good quad one loss. Great for their resume. Boosted up hugely. I think they're on the bubble now. Um, <laughs> that was a solid loss. I will agree with that. Um, 
But what I'm feeling about this team is they can win. I feel like I've said this for the past five seasons. They can win every night, but they can also lose by 30 every night. Yeah, the consistency isn't there. They're not well above anyone in the league. It's, I don't know, one of my issues, and I've, I've said this to you, is they're like, right now they're built like a small ball team. An ultra, ultra, ultra small ball. Yeah, you got six, seven, Justin Amadeus, the five at times. So they're built ultra small. And Jack, they can't shoot. They can't shoot. So you're a small ball team that can't shoot. And I'm going to be honest with you, they can't really defend that well. I think that the defense against Radford, the defense against Florida Atlantic, I was impressed with. I thought I think they're getting better. But right now, it's a small ball team that can't shoot the three. They can't really shoot free throws, and they struggle on defense. So <laughs> I don't have high so, expectations. Here, here's here, let's just break it down. Forty-five point seven percent from the floor. That's fine. Thirty-one point four percent from deep. That's as not a very good. Small, as an ultra small ball team, that should be around like thirty-eight. Like maybe, <laughs> yeah. like if you want to win, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, free throw percentage. If if this this might be um, the worst stat I've ever seen for an ultra small ball team. I just want you to guess it. It's isn't it like sixties, like low sixties? It's. I think it came up a little bit because it's sixty six point three. Okay. We'll round down to sixty six percent free throw. Like for an ultra, ultra small ball is predicated on spacing, really getting everyone out of the paint. And just throwing the ball around, good ball movement, and then finding the open shooter who's going to drain a three. Like, that's what small ball is, right? Yeah. And this team doesn't do that. Matt Lewis is great, but he's a guard that it plays inside the arc and in the paint. I mean, we brought up the stat last week. He's one of, like, three guards to average 20 points a game with, like, three assists and above 60% shooting inside the arc. So, like, he's not the best – shooter from deep justin amadi is a six seven five but he plays like a seven one athletic five who just like plays in the paint michael christmas is i mean he had a terrible fau game but he's he's a solid shooter but he's not like a consistent there is no consistent knockdown three-point shooter on this team but they have to play ultra small ball because they have no big man (laughs) they're not built the way you really want to be built, I think, is kind of how I would describe it. They've got – I mean, they're relying on guys like – and I kind of like what I've seen so far a little bit. He's growing on me, Terrence Edwards. Uh, he's sort of a guard wing freshman. He makes some freshman mistakes, but he really gets in there on the glass. He's averaging 5.4 rebounds per game, and he's only playing about 20 minutes. So I've been impressed with that. He also has a positive assist to turnover ratio, plays some good defense. So he's been solid. He's knocked down some of his three-pointers. Julian Wooden, I think, has been really just a steady force. Yeah. Shooting well from threes, played well. I think he's a guy who can keep earning some minutes. Christmas, I want to see him just keep developing, but he's, I wouldn't say the FAU game is is really what you'd expect from him. Most nice to go 16 minutes, Bef- no points, no rebounds. <laughs> Before that, what was he averaging per 36? Like some, go- like yeah, just yeah. gaudy numbers, right? Yeah. So he's coming back down to earth a little bit. I think that's you know, to be expected, but I kind of want to see him rebound a little more. Um, the same kind of with Wooden. Both guys are averaging under four rebounds per game. Christmas is averaging 2.7. I know he hasn't had a ton of minutes, but like Michael Christmas yesterday played 16 minutes and didn't get a rebound. He's too strong, too athletic to play 16 minutes and not come down with a single rebound. Well, he had the um, the rare box score of 0-0-0-0-2 fouls, 0-0. 
Yeah, that was not his best game at all. I think you expect a little more out of him. Zach Jacobs I was excited about. Uh, I don't think Zach Jacobs is like a world beater, right? He's not going to win like, say, player of the year of anything. But he's a guy that can come in and give you some good minutes and, and make some plays. And he did. He did against FAU. I thought he played decently. I guess he only played 16 minutes. For some reason, I thought he played more. Uh, but 16 he, minutes. He had a lot of minutes down the stretch. Like, yeah, when they were doing their runs, he, he, he was a big, he had big minutes. He had plays, too, that didn't show up in the stat sheet where he was kind of like helping on defense or he would draw a charge or, or things like that. So he gave him some solid minutes. It's just, it's fascinating because I think they've won, I want to say they played 11 guys yesterday. Um, some of them only played a couple of minutes. Mensa got three, Harvey got two. Um, so that's that's not a lot, obviously. But they played some different guys. They're working different guys in. I thought the defensive energy was good. It's just really hard to be built like a small ball team and not be able to shoot. If they can play defense like they did against Radford, against Florida Atlantic, where they're engaged and energized, it makes up for it, and they'll compete in CA games. But if they don't play defense well, I don't think they can shoot. I don't think they're a good shooting team. Well, here's – I think Byington is is still figuring out the team because as much as we talk about how tough this is on the players, how they start and then stop and then start, mm-hmm. and then a game gets postponed two days before the game, and then they start and they stop. Like, it's just been a weird season. Like, as much as that impacts the players, I think it impacts coaching – just as much like I don't think Byington he didn't get a true offseason with the guys like this team came together over the offseason I'm gonna give him slightly the benefit of the doubt here and say um he's still learning just as much so I mean they were playing a lot of man defense early on in the season and then you saw in the FAU game I mean and he said in his O'Neill's press conference that like they're bad at man defense like they didn't play what was his quote they didn't play uh a single good possession of man yeah. defense <laughs> yeah, against was... Morgan State. Our man was terrible yesterday. And, um, you know, it's they scored every single time against our man-to-man defense. And our zone was really good yesterday. Um, you know, it never was a situation in the game we felt like we had offensive struggles um, besides the turnovers. Um, you know, we had to settle in defensively. And, uh, you know, Justin Amati is, um, you know, he gives us a physical presence down there. He's, he's not 6'10", I wish he was, but he gives us physicality down there and he kind of chases the ball down. But coming into FAU, they then switched that up, played zone, and they were active on zone. Lots of great switches, great movement, just keeping in front of the play. They, 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 they can't talk. Really great job of staying in front of the ball and then they looked invigorated, energized, and good when they were playing zone defense. And then a couple times when they'd switched to man, um, you saw a little bit of a fall off. But zone overall kept them kept them engaged in the game, and their defense looked really good with that. Um, and I think zone might be the way you have to go when you're playing this ultra small ball who can't shoot. Yeah, I think it'll help maybe a little bit if Matt Lewis can get closer to his career averages. He's shooting 29.8% from three. Last year, he was at 37%. year before, 32. The year before, 33. So none of those are, I guess 37 is pretty solid, but none of those are necessarily great. But I think he's he should at least be shooting like low 30s. And right now, he's like barely scratching the surface at 30. So that'll help Vado Morse um, coming back. Is it Vado? Vado, I forget. But him coming back is certainly going to help he was injured a little bit, so he came back starting to get his minutes up. He's a good shooter, so that certainly helps from the three-point line. But, yeah, they're not a great overall three-point shooting team, and that uh, is going to cause some issues, I think. 
because it's a small ball team. Like we said, I think that's Joel Mensa. I think both of us expected to maybe be farther along than he is. And Byington talked about how he's working really hard and developing, which is important. But we kind of expected they might have a seven-footer who could kind of control the paint. Right now, they've got Justin Amati, who's been super impressive. Um, but you got a six-seven guy, super bouncy, which is why he's able to sort of play the five because he can really get up and dunk. I mean, he seven for seven from the floor yesterday and i think four or five of them were dunks he's he's a really good freshman maybe he's a he, growth spurt at him maybe like his junior <laughs> he spouts up to six six eleven over the offseason <laughs> you know byington said he's like i hope he i wish he was six ten but <laughs> if he was six ten he wouldn't be a jmu it's all i have to say <laughs> yeah, that's very true but he's a, a solid player like him i think that i don't want to hype him up too much i th think some people are getting super amped just because of the dunks um, he's still got some room in his game to develop, and oh, he yeah. doesn't take a ton of shots because he's mostly <laughs> mostly a dunker. Um, so there's there's definitely some development there that's still needed. I want to see him continue to clap, crash the glass at a high level. I think that's important. He had 10 rebounds against Morgan State, um, but other than that, he's just had a couple other games with five boards. He had three against Florida Atlantic. So go out and try to grab some of those and, and keep competing. And he's been super efficient from the field, which is – just what he was in high school. He's shooting 76%. <laughs> so when you're dunking all the time, you get that percentage, you know? It's You brought up rebounding and how Amadi needs to rebound better. I think this team as a whole, though, needs to rebound better. We keep bringing up ultra small ball, and it, it, it's hard to, to rebound well when your tallest guy on the court and your starting five is 6'7". They're getting barely, they're barely out-rebounding their opponents by 0.2 rebounds per game. And yeah. they've played some 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 teams that they should like out rebound by a lot. If you just watch the Morgan State game, the eye test tells you they were better than them in the post and down low, and they should have been snatching every single rebound. But what did Morgan State have? Like eighteen offensive boards. Eighteen offensive rebounds. Like, and, that, and that's going to kill them all season. So Amadi needs to rebound better. This team, though, as a whole, only averaging thirty-seven and a half rebounds per game. They need to they need to step that up big time. You know who leads the team in rebounding? Probably Matt Lewis. Matt Lewis. Yeah. Your your <laughs> starting point guard should not be. <laughs> right. What does he have? What does he, he average? Got a, like six? 5.5. Damn. Only two players. It's Matt Lewis and Terrence Edwards at 5.4 average more than five rebounds a game. They've got to have a guy, whether it's Amadi, Wooden. Put Jacob Joel Mensa in. Joel Mensa. Joel Mensa, though, one of the things, the reason he hasn't gotten too many minutes is he struggles to get rebounds. He does. When he's been in, he's kind of been in position and hasn't gotten them. There was one early in the year where he was on the inside block on a free throw and wasn't able to corral it. So that's part of the reason he hasn't played a lot. It's been interesting. The other issue, the other issue for sure, is turnovers. It's a small ball team with a bunch of ball handlers. They turned the ball over 18 times against Morgan State. I think it was nine against Rad. Maybe and or eight against Radford and nine against FAU and the two Division One wins they kept it under ten turnovers. Other games it's fifteen plus. Yeah, I, I love that stat pool that you had. You tweeted out from Jamie Sports News Twitter, and and I that's such a good point because I mean it was in the VCU game they had fourteen turnovers I believe in the first half, and that yeah. first half they got just absolutely yeah. obliterated, and they had four turnovers in the second half, and that's when they staged their comeback. I mean, it's clearly a correlation, and when you don't turn – and it's it's so stupidly simple that, of course, it makes sense. Like, when you don't turn the ball over, you have more scoring opportunities and you're going to score more. And when this team keeps it low, I don't know I, – I haven't seen what the secret sauce is, like why they turn – the like, do they try and force it? I don't really know. 
but it, helps it was also to a have uh, I was going to say it helps to have Morse on the floor. He was a really good ball yeah. handler yesterday, and he missed a couple. I forget exactly which games he missed. He missed ECU, right? Or VCU, sorry. He missed VCU. Yeah, so there was 18 in that one, and then Morgan State was also 18, and he barely played. So I think that hurts a little bit. Yeah, and I, there was a point yesterday in the broadcast where I think Kurt brings up uh, they had like four turnovers at like later on in the second half. They, yeah, they didn't have many, and then the next I think four yeah. possessions they turned it over each possession, and that's when FAU started to mount their comeback. And that was a problem we saw a lot in the row era was turnovers yes. and sloppy offensive play and sloppy offensive sets, and that shows its head sometimes. Not as much with Byington, but it does show its head. It showed its head a lot in Morgan State. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of what we go to, and it's I guess it's kind of funny in a sad way at times. It's a, you know, it's a small ball team struggling to shoot the three and struggling to <laughs> take care of the ball, which you would think when you have like you know three to five guard ish players on the court that would not be an issue. So I think it's there's potential for them to get better at that um, with Lewis and, and Morris in there. I think that they can limit those, and it doesn't have to be under ten. Like under ten is crazy. That's like top tier in the country but you got to keep it under 15 i mean they had 15 against limestone and 14 against alice lloyd that's way too many against you know not division one programs and i'm not even asking for low t- like you can have 15 turnovers in a game 16 17 what i'm asking for is don't string them together because it was it was in the vcu game too where there's a point in the first like five possessions of the game they nailed a three and then they turned the ball over four times like just don't string it together like that where all of a sudden you blink and it was, you were down two and now all of a sudden you're down 12 because you just, and you didn't get a shot off in that time period. Like you can turn the ball over in my opinion, <laughs> but you just can't do it consecutively. And that's when it hurts you. When you, when you have a six point lead and the next time you look up, you're down eight. Yeah, for sure. And it's, I don't know. I mean, they got to get better at shooting too. It's, Yeah, that's a given. I mean, that's the whole point of basketball, right? (laughs) (laughs) Right. You got to score, but if you're, especially if you're a team that's going to jack up some threes, you got to hit them. And they've only had one game this season where they shot over 35% VCU from three. Uh, Alice Lloyd against VCU, they only shot 30% and they still almost won that game. So it's so interesting. Like they were able to beat Florida Atlantic. They were 415 yesterday. That's 26%. That's terrible. Um, and they still were able to win because I think the defense was good. They didn't turn the ball over. So if you can do those two things, play decent defense, take care of the ball, it'll mask some of your problems. And then if you can also have Justin Amati dunk five times a game, <laughs> that'd be great too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, coming into that game, we all were looking at FAU's gaudy numbers. They were shooting nearly you did 50% a good job, of the yeah. field. Um, but they had played four NAIA schools. So this isn't a huge win for JMU <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. No, um, they, were, they were a bad team that just had good numbers because of NAIA games, four of them. But you texted me yesterday, midway through the game, near the end of the game, saying you have a take that you weren't going to share until the podcast. Oh, yeah. I want to know yes, what this take is. I kind of shared it a little bit. The take is basically that like Mark Byington is not going to be judged on what he does this year. We all we all basically know that. But okay. the, the real thing is it's going to be judged on keeping recruits in Harrisonburg. I was thinking about this because Matt Brady – texted me this last night. Yeah, Matt Brady, his 2013 team, I think it was, they had like um, Curry and there was um, Cook, I think, transferred to Dayton. And there was another couple guys. Who was that other freshman that um, he had a bunch of off-the-court problems? 
Shakir? He's really Andre Nation. Andre Nation. Andre Nation. So I think that's what it was. I think it was like Nation and Curry. I could be giving Nation too many years, but I think it was at least Curry and Cook. And well, Nation they, was there when they went to March Madness. Yes. Okay. That's right. So it was like that team. They weren't able to really keep the nucleus together. And then you look at at this year. Dwight Wilson is he transferred to Ohio. He's averaging like fifteen and ten basically at Ohio, shooting sixty two percent from the floor. Uh, Banks hasn't really played at Chattanooga. I think that's because they didn't necessarily expect him to be eligible immediately. Um, and then Deshaun Parker is struggling a little bit, but he's also barely played at Appalachian State, uh, just struggling a little bit with the shooting. So if they were able to keep Wilson and, and Banks and Parker, any of those guys, even just if it's just Wilson. even if it's just one of those, two of those guys, you pair them with Matt Lewis. Maybe they wouldn't have Morris and things like that, but they would still have Christmas and Wooden and, and Jacobs and that core. To me, it's just like you got to keep the core. Like JMU's gotten good players in Harrisonburg since I've sort of paid attention to the team. They just haven't stayed. And I think that's the huge thing for Byington is like Justin Amati's really talented. Terrell Strickland's really talented. Terrence Edwards has some big time upside. You've got Christmas and Wooden and, and these really good young players. You just have to keep them. The, the, the thing with that is like under Rose time, he kept them. Like for, uh, for they, all, okay, like, okay. They, they would have Byington, stayed if 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 Roe was there as the coach. I will say, I think Byington in this take is more, and in real life, is more competent as a coach than Lewis Rowe. He's been a head coach. He's won twenty plus games. So I think for him, it's similar to Matt Brady, where Matt Brady was. If Matt Brady had kept that nucleus, like he's a good basketball mind. I think part of the reason they didn't stay is maybe because of Matt Brady in terms of how he okay so you're saying like you're saying that that buying is going to be such a good coach that like amadi is going to look really good in year going into year three that some some big name school is going to come and try like kind of how people tried to pluck matt lewis from jmu like oh yeah if pluck matt lewis over the years if we had lewis banks parker wilson it was the same wooden christmas it was the same group as last year with buyington this year i don't think we have two losses to MEAC teams i think part of the reason we've lost is because we're have this entirely new group that's never played together you got a ton of freshmen so okay I think yeah. there's a learning curve and i think if they had kept that group with a competent coach they'd be good like it's not impossible to recruit to jmu is basically yeah. what i'm saying so he's okay. just gotta but you gotta keep them and that jmu hasn't kept its good players into like their senior years with like the exception right now of like oh, Curry and Lewis, but they have like, I feel a little bit bad for Max. He's playing out of his mind. Like he's not shooting that well from three, but he's putting up ridiculous numbers, positive assist to turnover by it's two to one. He's got decent amount of steals leading the team in rebounds. He's leading the team in assists. He's leading the team in scoring. He's shooting 62% on twos. Like he's playing really well. And we're two and four against division one teams because we've surrounded him with nothing. I'll, I'll say this about the JMU men's team, and this might be stupid optimism, but I need you to bear with me on this. They're going to have a good conference slate. Define good. <laughs> I think, I think they said, them... what was that? Winning record, winning record. Good. Okay. And I think they set themselves up for a good – hopefully we have it – CAA championship. Like, I think they set themselves up really well for that. I think things will start to come together. But, yeah, I mean, they're lo- they, they shouldn't have two losses to MEAC teams. The Morgan State one is inexcusable. 
the Norfolk State one, I can kind of give a little bit benefit of the doubt because that's what the second game of the season after you just played Limestone, you're still figuring everything out. Yeah. Um, the Morgan State, though, I cannot stress this enough, is inexcusable. That was a terrible loss. It's probably the worst loss of the season. Um, but yeah, I see what you're saying. Like, keep, keep them. Who would you call the nucleus of this team? I'm thinking it's Amadi, Morse, and Christmas. But Morse is probably is gone after. Well, he is. So you've got Morse. I guess it depends on how he does. So you probably you would assume maybe just one more year of him next year. Yeah. I think Christmas. I think Wooden's a guy that I would like to see for his senior season. Christmas is a guy. Um, and then maybe you look at like Harvey and, and Strickland, Edwards. I mean, I just, you want to keep at least a, a decent amount of them. I think Amadi is kind of a must. And I think you can really get some stuff out of Strickland and Edwards. I like Strickland defensively. So I'm just, I'm interested to see what they can do if they can keep them. And then I don't know if we'll necessarily know the full nucleus. I think it depends a little bit too on who they bring in um, in future seasons under Byington to see really what could be his his top tier team and kind of the team that could actually take him to a new job. Um, I don't know if he necessarily has all those pieces right now. Yes. But it's, it's just interesting. Cause like, I don't, I said, we surrounded Lewis with nothing. I don't think that's fair. We've surrounded Lewis with some good pieces. They're just not like they're young. They're super young. So like you want Lewis to be surrounded by a veteran core and he's the star. I do. I will say, I want to see Morse and Lewis together for an extended period of time. Um, and that just means games without pauses. Like, they haven't had a time, a stretch, where they've had Morse and Lewis and they've been able to just go. So I think if you get through conference play and have a chance for those guys to to keep rolling and, and keep playing and all that stuff, I think they've got a chance to be be decent. Because I think Morse helps with the ball handling. Uh, he's a good shooter. So he adds a lot there if you have Amadi down low. And um, the development of Mensa, if you can even just get him to a point where he can give you 10 minutes as a 6'11 guy, I think that would help. Yeah, I agree. Now, I have a question for you. Yes. Probably last men's basketball thing. And this is just something I realized as we were talking about the men's basketball team. When did Rashawn Fredericks leave the program? I don't know exactly when he left, but it was announced after the um, Oregon State loss. So he never played and, and he's gone. Interesting. I didn't. I did not hear that. Or he, would have, he was one of the guys that Metlin tweeted it out. He was one of the guys that could have been a pretty solid... Uh, potential score. I also is Taylor still hurt? Is he just not playing? The Wyoming transfer. I think he's hurt. I know they wanted to to move him positionally, so it was going to be kind of a slow. He played 21 minutes against Alice Lloyd. I didn't know if they had just moved away or what, but yeah, we'll see. That's the other thing. It's like they don't really have a rotation right now. They kind of just it's because they haven't played a lot. I think, but it's. It's a little bit of kind of a mix and match right now. It's kind of Good like, news. Matt, you're going to be playing the one all game. <laughs> yeah. and we're just going to figure and it they, out from there. Yes. Good I, news is the CAA is terrible. I do so. think the the prime – here we go. Remember last time I gave my prime five-man lineup and then Coach Rowe listened to it and I was oh, like – Oh, yeah, yeah, let's hear it. Here's my prime one. You ready? Yes. Give me Morse at the one, Matt at the two. Let's return Matt to his original position. <laughs> Give me Christmas at the three. No, give me. <laughs> when you realize you have to put Christmas at the four because they're all so short. <laughs> <laughs> give me, this is starting five, right? Mm-hmm. Give me Christmas at the three. 
Amadi at the four, Mensa at the five. <laughs> no, my God. I don't like that. <laughs> and then first, first stoppage of play, you sub out Mensa, move Amadi to the five. <laughs> Why don't you just start with the line? <laughs> you got to win the tip. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's fair. Amadi's bats here. I bet he would win the tip. I don't know. Did you see that block by Mensa? That was sick. That was against Morgan State, right? Yeah, it was. I thought that was going to turn the tide in that game, and uh, boy, was I wrong. I was actually surprised they took him out after that. He looked good, and then he looked he looked pretty lost offensively against um, FAU. But he was he's still getting he's decent defensively. I like what he does on D. I think that's the problem. I he's think he has there. no offense. He has no awareness on offense. No offense to him. Apparently. Like he's still learning <laughs> the system and everything. Like no offense, but like yeah. defense. Like I think he just has that innate ability to to clog the lane and time his yeah. his blocks. But he just is so bad on offense that there's really he's, there's no way that you can you can say he should be on the floor. I think that's probably fair at this point. And Byington was saying that he's looking pretty good in practice. He's just trying to translate it to the game. So I think eventually he'll get more comfortable, which is the word they talked about on the O'Neill's grill presser too. And, and once he gets comfortable on offense, he's worthy of being on the floor. Yes. Okay. So that's kind of a hot take lineup. <laughs> it's not going to – I don't I don't feel com- – I, I, I praise Mark Byington for what he's doing with that lineup because looking at their roster, they have a lot of talent. A lot of talent. But they just don't have they don't have a, a true one two three four and five. They have a bunch of yeah. So he's a couple gotta, ones and a bunch of threes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he's got to kind of plug and play. We'll see how it goes. But they start fingers crossed against Elon this weekend. Looking forward to that matchup. Elon's not a particularly good team this year. Um, I don't think they're good at all, actually. <laughs> for a while. Let me uh, hold on. Let me look up the really quick to see men's basketball preseason yeah so while he's doing that the elon game will be uh, on flow sports it is saturday at 5 p.m barring any last minute postponements and there's probably mm-hmm. not going to be another non-conference game slated in between now and we were then. picked to finish ninth <laughs> what was that <laughs> that's we were picked to finish ninth yeah that's cold, man. Well, that's remember last year we were picked to finish like fourth, and then everyone got burned with like. Yeah, okay. Bad. I think media just is like, okay, we're done giving them preseason hype. Preseason player of the year, and they think we're gonna finish second last. Who's picked to finish last? Elon. <laughs> William Mary. Oh. They lost ever. Elon's picked to finish fifth. Townsend got four first place votes. In case you're wondering, the level of the conference. Delaware got eleven. Delaware has a loss to an AI school this year. No, that's just kidding. They lost to um, they lost to Morgan State, which lost to AI high school, which we've also done. <laughs> Where are our really first place votes? You know who I'm really sad we didn't uh, get a win against? BCU. Mason. I think Mason's terrible this year. It would have been fun to play them. Okay, Delaware was picked to finish second in the league, and they've had a rough non-conference slate. So I, the league is up for grabs. That's coming off the heels of last year. Delaware was receiving votes out of after non-conference play. They're three and four. They beat Salem University by three in the season opener. 15-point loss to UMBC. Barely beat GW. Lost to LaSalle. Lost to Morgan State. And then they split with the College of Charleston. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, I like our chances. Hofstra's pretty good. But anyway. Hofstra's the only good team. So Elon, I guess, well, I guess everyone in the league except for William Mary is going to be picked ahead of us. So every series this year is going to be an upset if we get it done. And with that, speaking of upsets, 
Uh, women's team. basketball didn't have one. I, I was trying to think of a cool way to segue. <laughs> They're the best team in this. They picked CAA preseason pick number one, went out, huge comeback against Towson in the second half to show that they are the best team in the CAA. Second game against Towson was postponed due to a COVID test yeah. that came to light on Monday after JMU played Towson on Sunday. So that leaves you scratching your head a little I'm bit, sorry. a little worried if you're women's basketball. We should know if they have any positive tests. Probably we're recording this on Wednesday. I'd imagine we would have known by now if they had a positive test. But Depends on that incubation period and when they get it and how it pops up and all that stuff. So fingers crossed that they're able to avoid it. Towson was picked to finish third in the league. I think they're really good. Uh, I think Towson women's basketball is really, really good. Kiana Jeter, was she the CA? She should have been if she wasn't. Let me look. I don't know. It's not clear. Yes, she was. Kiana Jeter at Towson was the CAA preseason player of the year. She's a stud. She scored 25 in this game. Um, took a lot of shots, but they did a decent job on D. A little Matt Lewis action. Volume shooter, oh, volume score. 23 shots for 25 points, so quite a bit. Holy uh, but she, cow. She's Sorry. a solid player. Kiki Jefferson was unbelievable in the fourth quarter. Uh, 24 points in the game. She had 16 in the fourth quarter, I think, on perfect shooting. Made all her free throws. So she had a double-double in this one, as did Rain Tucker, who was fantastic. It's a huge win. They were down double digits in the second half, were able to come back to win this one. So a big win against a Towson team that I think is a legitimate CAA title threat. So to beat them once and then have the game postponed, to me, works out perfectly for JMU. Obviously, the COVID stuff does not. You'd rather play the game. But if you're going to play a really good team, you pick up that first win. You don't have to play them back-to-back now. You space it out a little bit. You'll eventually, hopefully, go to Towson and have a chance to get that second victory over the Tigers. So a really great start to the conference slate. Um, the issue still is defense. They give up 85 points. It was an 89-85 game. They're giving up a lot of points. That's not quite what they're looking for. So they got to get better on the defensive end for sure. Lots of room to improve there. They gave up 16 offensive rebounds to Towson, 72 shots. So a little bit of concerning there. Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's kind of weird to see this Jamie women's basketball team be an offensive threat and yeah. not a defensive threat because it's historically just one of the best defensive schools in the country. Like, on the watch. I think last year they were number one in the in the uh, in the country in opponents' points per game, somewhere in the fifties. At, at one point, I feel like it was like forty nine. But I have a question, yeah. as I normally do with women's basketball. Madison Green, did she get hurt, or has she just been taken out of the starting lineup? So they have done. I'll talk about the Power Rangers. Yeah, Power Rangers. But she got two starts to be she... start the season, and then had a death in the family and missed a bunch of practice time. Got it. Was what Shane Metlin reported. I was also wondering what happened there because she's very, very good. It just seems like she's sort of been out of the out of the mix practice-wise, so they'll get her back up to speed. I'm sure she'll have a chance to compete with probably uh, Hazel um, and Tinsley a little bit there for some minutes at the guard spot. Okay. So All yeah. the condolences out to the Green family. Yes, yes. The Power Rangers, they stuck her on that, though which was sort of how she got back into some of the action. She had that six minutes, and you, you look at that, the line shift in the box score of the people who had all those six minutes. You got Madison Green, Eleanor Marshewski. Uh, they had Goodman. Amazing. It's hilarious. Nikki Oppenheimer, Morgan Smith. They also had uh, Jalen Carradine in that a little bit, but she played really well, and they stuck her on Jeter on defense at some other times in the game. So that was basically what 
um, Sean O'Regan said in his O'Neill's Grill press conference is like, these players are kind of veterans. They want more minutes. And he was like, all right, like I've toyed with this idea before of just doing an entire line ship and like sticking out a new unit of five. And he's like, that's I'm gonna so do- crazy that like <laughs> coach O to start conference play is like, you guys want to play here? Here's three minutes. Go. And he's, he's like, I'm going to do it. So he told him he was going to do it. And he was like, you should come up with a name for yourself. And they came up with the power Rangers and he was like, all right, like it's a COVID year. We have to play these back-to-back games. Like, let's see how it goes. And he was like, I like the energy. Thought they did well. I think they lost on the scoreboard their second quarter stint. And then they did it again in the third quarter and they won it. And he was pretty stoked. So apparently when they they left, whoever was in the the building um, after the one of the shifts um, gave him like a standing ovation. I think they're pretty stoked. So It's just a unique year, and and so you know we had these group of juniors. That's primarily what the platoon thing was 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 Maddie Green, Nikki Oppenheimer, Eleanor Marchuski, and and Jalen Caradon. And so um, you know we have gone a direction with our regular rotation that that kind of has left them out, and um, they came to practice every day, basically trying to prove to me why they shouldn't be left out. And I love that mentality, and that's. Um, however you find your motivation. And, and so they were beating, they were beating the top seven quite a bit. And so, you know, I've been talking about this idea. If you brought, you brought Ian in, he, he'd say, I've been talking about it every year with, with different groups of people. And so um, I thought, let's give it a shot. They play really well together. Um, I told him about it a couple of days ago. And I said, you guys need to like come up with a name for yourself or something too. And they, you know, they, they really, they, they came up with Power Rangers, you know, when they're, they're more powerful together. So, um, you know, obviously you throw the freshman and a Goodman in there. Um, I thought it was a big momentum swing, even though they did lose their, their first three minutes. They did not come out on top of that. Um, but I, I still think in the overall game, it really, really helped with the momentum. It helped with our legs. And, and one could argue that, uh, you know, I don't know if Kiki performs the way she does, if she doesn't get those breaks, um, you know, in the, in the third quarter, they, they, they won that, that session. So I'm really proud of how they responded. I know they want more and if they continue to play well, they'll get more. It's cool for them too. Cause he also mentioned, you see sort of Caradine getting more minutes. He was like, look, if you play well in this power Rangers shift or whatever, like you're the hot hand, I'll give you more minutes and I'll play you. So it's a chance for them to, to earn playing time, earn more minutes. They've been around each other a while. They know each other well. They have good strengths and it helps just give them some rest for the starting unit and the starting group. It helps facilitate some competition. He also mentioned that like you can get minutes and blowout. Like that's not nearly the same as playing the second or the third quarter of a close game, which I think is a really cool way to look at it. It keeps them engaged. Like these are players that are good. They help in practice. They can help in the game. They're competitive. They've been in the program. They know the culture. You don't want them to become disengaged. You don't want them to to transfer or feel like they're left out. So to have them, you know, six minutes, but it's six meaningful minutes and they're playing a role, a very defined role. I mean, it literally has a name. Like, so <laughs> I think it's awesome. Yeah, they just quickly crunching the number. That's why I was half yeah. listening to you. There were two for six. This is Eleanor, Madison, Nikki, Morgan's, uh, Morgan and Goodman. Yes. Um, I completely just zoned out there. There were two for six uh, from the floor. I don't know how much Jalen Caradine played in that, um, but they're two for six on the floor for nine points. 
um, and five rebounds. Not a not a bad six minute stretch. It wasn't terrible, and they had some good energy. And I mean, yeah, you'd like to see it a little bit higher, next necessarily like in some of them. Um, but yeah, it was it was good to see him get the minutes, and I think it's a good opportunity for all of them to kind of have some some chances to play. Madison Green's a really good player, so yeah. excited to see her hopefully get more minutes moving forward. But like getting the other players in is important. I think it's good, and like Nikki, someone that could come in and knock down two or three threes like she's probably in terms of the stroke I think she might have the best pure shooting stroke on the team um she's got a really good jumper so they've got some some talent there and it's good to see them playing and getting minutes and it's also hilarious then to see that box score where they're what are they like 14 deep now like I don't know just a lot of people played let me say three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen so 13 players play at least six minutes which will pay dividends in conference play when you're playing, you know, Saturday and Sunday. So kind of a genius idea. I think it's fun and it's, it seems like it has a chance to work. He's like, I don't know, maybe it, maybe it will, maybe it won't, but we're going <laughs> to try. Roll with it. But yeah, I mean, maybe you can see him. I'd love to see like uh, them start like the first five minutes of a game. <laughs> that would be fun. They should be, <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah, no, I, I think they might've started the second quarter. So it's just kind of fun to see them come in because they've got so many young players that are just studs so it's good to see that the upperclassmen are still able to get some some minutes because Peyton McDaniel, Steph Oderkirk, obviously Kiki I think is one of the best players that we'll see at Jamie in a while assuming she stays healthy so. God her fourth quarter was something wasn't it? She just took over the game. I love to see that. What was it? She was like eight for eight from the floor like it was perfect shooting, per, yeah, like six for six, five for five at the line or something, and then 16 points. Like it just completely took over the contest. So, heck of a performance. They're a fun team to watch. I like them and competitive, gritty, and they've been fun to watch in previous years because they win so many games. But uh, Coach O probably doesn't like it. I love that they're like an offensive juggernaut that's trying to learn on the defensive end. So fun to watch them go like 89-85. You got to assume the reason they're so good at offense and struggling on defense is because offense is more of like you're just pure ability where defense, you kind of have to learn the system. And it's so many young people that they're getting their first like meaningful minutes that they're like, we know how to score. We still have to learn the defense. And normally it's a bunch of upperclassmen, Logan Reynolds, right. Kamaya right. Smalls, Ania Young, just these monsters on the defensive end who – who who would who who make teams score zero points in a quarter, right? <laughs> right, and you kind of have to learn um, that sort of defensive toughness and intensity. I think yeah. the freshmen are still still learning that, especially the weird off season. But I will say, I think it's easier to teach and learn that because I think they have the athleticism. It's just sort of learning the system, being in yeah. the right place. You can't teach just the ability like Peyton McDaniel has to just randomly drop thirty. Yeah, you you can't teach buckets. Yes, and they have a lot of players who can get buckets. So I think that's exciting um, if you're a fan. And hopefully they can get through whatever they can get through in the season and play their games. They're scheduled to play. I think they're also playing UNCW, but it might be – is it at UNCW or is it's it like a home. doubleheader? Whoa, <laughs> lots of home basketball then. That's exciting. Men's – are men – is men home too against UNCW? Yeah, Elon at, Elon's home. So they have Elon, and then the women have UNCW. That's what it is. Oh, 
Oh, yeah, because it was supposed to be timed up perfectly, the CAA schedule when the women were home. Now it's all over the place. <laughs> it's and completely I, ruined. I love Jamie. Jamie Facilities, just a quick shout-out to them because yes. they have to turn that court – like turn everything, get get the girls like out of the locker room, the men into the locker room. I'm it, guessing there has to be some level of deep cleaning also. You had Towson in, in that <laughs> arena. So, I mean, you probably – I mean, it like – I don't know. We'll see how they do. I don't know shout out. Shout out. <laughs> As I, I don't know. <laughs> shout out JMU facilities for, for getting Whatever that combo looking great and deep cleaned between games because that must be tough. <laughs> I can't imagine it's the easiest task. So excited to see the women's team keep going. Uh, UNCW was picked to finish ninth in the CAA. That's very exciting news. So. Could have uh, – if the men's team can hold up its end of the bargain, we could go 4-0 at the the, um, the bank this weekend. I have a question. When was the last time UNCW was good at basketball, women's basketball? I don't think they've been good since I've paid attention. They've really struggled I don't on the women's side. They were ever good. The men's side, they had that, like, 6-7 kid that was, like, lengthy. Devontae Kaycock? No, Kaycock was, like, a beast. This kid was, like – Early in my career, he was wedding threes. I loved him. I was obsessed with that guy. Kevin Keats, was that his name? Yeah, he was under Kevin Keats. Keats was the coach. God, that... Like, it was if like, he stayed at UNCW, the CAA would have had two <laughs> NCAA tournament wins by now. Probably. He's been good at uh, NC State. Not great, but good. Got them competitive. Would have been great at UNCW. UNCW right. should have paid the big bucks. I'm going to find this guy real quick here for the, the listeners. 2014? Maybe he was a 2015 guy? Maybe. 2014, 15? 2015? 2015, 16? Where is he? Oh, Chris Flemings. Oh, yeah, I remember. He balled out against Duke in the first round. Yes, he was so good. They had C.J. Bryce, who ended up going to NC State. I believe he transferred and went with Keats. Man, that was a good team. That team should have won the Natty. They were a natty contender and just couldn't get it done. I remember there's a stretch with CAA teams that I'd always pick them in the first round. I think it was UNCW's two <laughs> years they went, and then College of North, Charleston when they went. And the Northwestern each, Bernie? I mean, Northeastern? Each uh, – Northeastern, I didn't do it. Each time, they almost won. And I was always so hyped because, like, they'd be leading with, like, four minutes left, and I'd be like, I picked the upset. <laughs> And then they would just fall apart. Oh, I missed that last year so much. The NCAA tournament, when you pick those, and you're like, I'm a genius. And then it doesn't happen. You're like, well, I was almost a genius. <laughs> the amount of, I'd be in UREC with the Duke UNCW game. It was one of the weeks I decided to work out. And I was on the elliptical doing yeah. my runs just so I could watch the game on the TV. And I was like, oh, it was a good time. Man, I miss March Madness. Well, it's coming this year, and the Dukes, both sides, seem like they're well on their way to contending for Final Four berths, so that's exciting. <laughs> I hope the men's team starts getting going. Women's team, stoked about that Towson win. Fingers crossed on the COVID situation. Yes. Do you have any uh, any parting words for this one? No, uh, the Lions are looking forward to um, stealing everyone the Seahawks have in terms of their personnel, and I think the future's bright in Detroit. Yeah, they're trying to trade for John GM John Snyder out of Seattle. And well, but you want Salah, right? Salah? Salah. 
that's the coach. We'll do Schneider, Sala. We'll get Diggs back. You're giving him back. We're taking <laughs> Adams too and Russ. Thank you for, I just want to say thank you for giving away Quandre Diggs for nothing. Granted, like his a, PFF grades have been terrible this season. Oh, really? I think he's in the uh, – last season he was 80s. Like he was a monster last season when we yeah. got him. This year I think he's like 65. Wow. We ended up uh, getting a fifth rounder for that, I think. Yep. Drafted a running back uh, this year out of, I believe it was Louisiana, and we cut him preseason. So what you're telling me is you got nothing for – We got literally nothing, and the Eagles picked the guy up, and he's like their kick returner. I was like, I hate this. (laughs) What are we doing? Well, it's okay because the Eagles threw a game with – I mean, before we finish, I want to get your take on that. If if you're – thank you for listening to the JMU Sports News Podcast. (laughs) You're done listening to JMU. We're quickly diving into the Eagles. Bennett, before we sign off, I want to know your feelings on that. Jalen Hurts was 7 of 20. He missed a wide-open guy in the end zone. And the decision to put in Nate Sudfeld may may or may not have been tanky. But, but, the only thing it did was it kept the 6 and 10 Giants out of the playoffs. So, like, if you're a Giants fan or a member of the Giants, like, just shut up. You have no business being in the playoffs. You're 6 and 10. Yeah, I think Giants fans should shut up. My problem with it is, um... It's uh, Jonathan Jones, a CBS NFL writer. He wrote a really good thing. He was just like, I understand that tanking happens, but Doug Peterson like spit in the face of the unwritten rules of tanking and just like did it out in the open. But Hertz was playing terrible. But you're, uh, okay. I I think we disagree on this one. And uh, I guess we won't finish this podcast on a heated debate about the ethics of tanking and not tanking. I think JMU's done a great job um, in recent years. I think <laughs> they're due for a couple first-round picks. I was telling Jack, like, if they can just trade for a center, this team is going to be good. I don't know when the deadline's coming up, but... And with Bennett's uh, sarcasm, <laughs> this has been the JMU Sports News Podcast. Check us out on our home on the web, www.jmusportsnews.com. Check us out on Twitter, JMU Sports News, and Facebook of the same name. If you have any name ideas for us, please hit us up in our DM. Yes. Our DMs are open. Slide into them and give us names, funny pun names. I don't know. Duke's on the go. That's stupid. Um, <laughs> that sounds like something you'd find on campus to eat. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this has been our basketball... <laughs> We'll talk to you guys next week after JMU men's and women's go 4-0 at the bank. For Bennett Conlin, my name is Jack Fitzpatrick. You guys have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.